Well, kinfolk, happy Sunday. Let us pray. Holy and merciful God, descend now like a dove. Inscribe upon our hearts by your Holy Spirit the words of this gospel, and give us a word. Amen. Sometimes I wish for my church members and parishioners and folks that I've ministered to, more than anything else in the world, that I could kind of wave a magic wand and um, give them a certain feeling on Sunday morning. Um, it, it, this story about Thomas is about a, a certain feeling, a sensation, and it's, it's a hard thing to describe. The way that I'll describe it is this. It's the feeling that you get when you discover an unexpected windfall. There's something good, completely unexpected, has happened to you. It's a great feeling. It's a, it's a very great feeling. Something good that you didn't anticipate. I think it, you can call it, it lives somewhere between hope and joy and relief. Relief, maybe that things tomorrow won't be as hard as they were today. It's a good feeling. But you don't always know where this new blessing, this new windfall is going to lead. And, and, and so if you're anything like me, as soon as you feel this feeling creeping up on you, that maybe, maybe things are going to be okay, uh, you, you, uh, you, you kind of try to grab the nearest heavy object and like bash it down because it, you don't count your chickens before they're hatched, right? Um, that's what I do all the time. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop, maybe. Yeah, this is all right. This seems good, but there's got to be a catch, right? That's what I, I always think that. Um, it can feel like sometimes life tricks us, you know? Like we, we were promised something good was going to happen, and then life takes back our prize. And that's a rational experience that we've all had. I've had countless times in my life the, um, the experience of finally getting the thing that I thought that I really wanted more than anything, and then having it turn out to be a nightmare having it turn out to, to discover that I didn't actually want it. I could list them out for you. Um, you know, my, my first ever real grown-up person career, uh, I got a, you're getting accepted into a prestigious PhD program. Uh, even things in my life as a pastor where I had done a certain project or ministry or program of the church and it seemed like it was going to be a sure bet. It seemed like it was going to just be a turnkey kind of easy thing. And then it, it all ends in tears. <laughs> So we get programmed over the course of our lives into this sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? You know where that saying came from? It's actually in, in New York City. They built all of these cheap tenement houses uh, in the early 1900s, and they stacked the bedrooms on top of each other. So every bedroom was stacked on top of each other. So when you're lying in bed, your upstairs neighbor gets ready to go to bed, and you take his shoe off and drop it on the floor. Bang! Right? Wake you up. And then you kind of got to lay there in bed waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Because it always would. And it can make us kind of jaded, jaded. But jaded is another interesting word, um, history of disappointment. I had to really research that word because I thought maybe it came from the gem or something like that, but it's not. It's a, a Scandinavian uh, word. It's from the 14th century. And uh, a jade in, in that language means a worn-out horse. I mean, you're jaded, you worn out horse. Horse that's been hauling on a levy, heavy load and just worn out. In this 
sermon, there's this tension that I felt in writing it between hopefulness and the story of poor Thomas. You know, doubting Thomas. Thomas, who's almost a patron saint to my own heart sometimes. But as I was researching this, I got a phone call from a, a member of this church. I won't say who, because I don't want to put him on the spot. But they were asking, uh, they wanted to ask me about purgatory. Purgatory. That's not a word that we use very much. Oh, wow. Maybe there's a connection here for Thomas. Um, purgatory, the, 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 the emotional link between the experience of those first disciples after the mystery of the resurrection, um, and maybe also between a church full of wonderful people who love each other, but who are locked up in their homes because of a pandemic, waiting for an end that maybe seems like it's about to come. Purgatory is the experience of Christians who identify the kingdom of God with beloved community, and they're looking out at their community and they don't see a lot of love out there. Uh, a place of waiting. So in Roman Catholic theology, purgatory is reserved for those who die but need a little cleaning up before they, you know, go to the top. It's a place of fire, but the Roman Catholics believe it's not a fire of punishment. It's rather a fire of purification of our sins. Now, this idea of purgatory is an actual place where you go when you die. That goes, that dates back to about the 12th century. Um, but the idea that after life there's a place for pausing and refining ourselves is a very, very old idea. Very ancient idea. And maybe sometimes that's kind of where we find ourselves. We look out there yesterday as I was um, going downtown, I saw the protests and the marches and people waiting for peace and hoping for peace and we're in this place of tension um, as we hope for peace and reconciliation and I think about the story of Jesus appearing in that first week and then appearing in that second week and there's Thomas right in the middle he, having heard that there's good news but kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop um, he was I'm sure in a place of jaded defeat place of no hope, a place where he felt like this was just, he'd been cheated. His, his master, his rabbi, was dead. Uh, it was a losing bet. He was in purgatory. One of my favorite, country, one of my favorite songs by the country music uh, singer Tyler Childers is called Purgatory. And he's singing, uh, he's singing to a, a girl in the, in the town who he sees going to Catholic Mass regular, regularly. And uh, he asks of her about God. He, he says, you reckon that God's going to let free will boys like me mope around in purgatory? And he says, the refrain is, Catholic girl, pray for me. You're my only hope for heaven. Um, so in Catholic doctrine, we can pray for people who are in purgatory. They, they pray for people in purgatory to expiate their souls and deliver them to heaven. I think we can appropriate a little bit of that for ourselves. We equate heaven in our community with something that we call beloved community. Um, we Protestants, many of us, myself included, um, th this isn't a requirement, uh, but a lot of us believe that you don't have some kind of a ghost of a soul that flits off into heaven when you die, but rather you're waiting, as the Bible says on the day of judgment, when heaven comes down to earth. Uh, and... Um, we experience resurrection, physical resurrection, like Jesus. We say the beloved community, community and communion is a foretaste of that beautiful place where we will all be together. 
So if heaven's beloved community, then purgatory is a place of uh, deep separation, alienation from each other. But we can see heaven right out there, right outside the window waiting for us. We know what it looks like. We know what it feels like to be reconciled to people. We can pray for each other while we're experiencing this place of tension, while we hedge our bets and maybe refuse to count our chickens before they're hatched. So my prayer for you is the same thing that I would pray for Thomas if I was with him in that time of waiting. I would pray to him that he would allow for just a minute the joy of salvation to overcome him. Just for a moment, believe that things are going to be okay. Thomas had been through a lot. He wasn't ready to just throw up his hands and say, hallelujah, everything's okay. They wanted, the disciples wanted Thomas to have hope. And I can imagine him saying, how dare you? Did you see what just happened? How dare you ask me to have hope? They nailed him to a tree. How dare you ask me to have hope after everything that I've loved has been taken away from me? And then, he sees Jesus. Jesus says, you can place your hands in my wounds if you want, Thomas. Thomas doesn't do that. Note that he doesn't do that. He doesn't place his hands in Jesus' wounds. He simply says, my Lord, my God. So, in that moment, he's surrendering to joy. He's surrendering. He's opening his heart. He's saying things actually are going to be okay. He gives up his jadedness, his frustration. We surrender, I think, when we're finally ready to admit to ourselves that everything is really going to be okay. I want to sow a seed in your heart today that perhaps when we surrender, we're not actually being defeated, but rather we're surrendering to hope in the victory that is going to come. I understand how hard it is to have your heart broken and to wait for it to be broken again. And I know on the times when I've gotten the things that I finally thought that I wanted and it all turned to ashes in my mouth, when I wanted to just surrender to defeat, that when I look back on those times now, I realize that those moments that felt like an end, that those places were not final. They were stepping stones to here. They were a purgatory from someplace bad to someplace incredible. And through the prayer and hard work of faithful people that God put into my life, because no one is self-made, God put people into my life I came back into a place of redeeming grace and beloved community. So now I even kind of laugh a little bit when I look back at those bad times. Because without them, I wouldn't be here. Now I know a lot of us in this room right now are with Thomas, in doubt. We're not ready to laugh. We're not ready to celebrate. And we're not ready to let joy overcome us. But at some point, it is going to happen. So just surrender to it. Say with Thomas, my Lord, my God. That's when purgatory breaks open into heavenly joy. Thomas went on from this story. You know what he did? His discipleship grew and flourished, and he became one of the greatest apostles, one of the greatest evangelists. Thomas, Thomas's story is that he traveled to establish all of the Christian churches in India. He traveled to India. Became the patron saint of the Christian church in India, and the St. Thomas Christians, as they're known today, one of the very oldest of all. And above and throughout their beautiful churches, you're going to find this curious kind of a cross, the cross of St. Thomas. 
It's an empty cross with the Holy Spirit descending from above and inside it is a lotus blossom symbolizing Christianity was established amongst the people of the Buddha, the enlightened people of the Buddha. And at each end of the cross is a flower, which is a symbol of joy. Joy. Okay, so Thomas, doubting Thomas, after, after this story today, he surrenders the rest of his life to the joy of the victory of Jesus Christ and spends the rest of his life sharing it with people who are strangers to him. Thousands of people. God has told us this story in our own lives a thousand times in a thousand different ways. That to surrender is not that we admit that we've been defeated, but rather we surrender to the joy of hope that the victory is actually very near at hand. So if you are despairing today, know that God is also despairing. The only difference is that God has known this despair a million times, and in each and every single time, God has faithfully attended to us in our own personal purgatories, in our isolation and alienation, and God has never once abandoned us. Not once. That's the promise. So surrender to hope. Even if you're still waiting for the other shoe to drop, it's okay. Surrender to hope and let it overwhelm you, and then let it be known that everything is in fact working for the good. Everything is working for the good. And be patient with the Thomases that you might meet. We don't know how, uh, I said, we all know how it feels to be a worn out workhorse, a jaded person. We all know how it feels to wait for the other shoe to drop. And it will drop. And it will still be well with God. People can rejoice even in the midst of purgatory. Because that's what Easter means. Easter is a sure bet there is nothing in heaven and earth that can separate us from God or one another. And all we have to do is remember that promise and our faith reappears. So it will ever be. Amen.